Welcome to Pet Poultry Rotary Animals Charity. Today we're going to be looking at a really hot topic at the moment, the problem of separation anxiety in dogs. I'm Caroline Johnson, General Manager at Oaktree, and I'm joined this week by Caroline, our Head of Animal Welfare, and Gemma, our Canine Behaviour and Training Advisor, to talk about this really important issue. This week's pet pod is all about separation issues or sometimes known as separation anxiety. It's a big concern at the moment and a hot topic because people start to return to work after furlough or after the summer holidays. So Gemma, what is separation anxiety? What are separation issues? What do we see? Um, normally it's just when your dog struggles when they're being left by themselves or if there's a degree of any kind of separation from you or something that they want or something that they want to react to. So normally it's tends to be starts with just a look like low level pacing panting searching for people but it can go from anything from little symptoms like that to full-blown destructive wrecking things chewing furniture shredding blinds curtain poles or incessant howling which neighbors tend not to appreciate <laughs> tends not to be the most popular thing and can actually lead to some problems with local authorities as well and actually lead to some elements of tenancy issues as well can't yeah. it guys yeah particularly if it's um, manifesting itself as indestructive behavior um, we have seen some issues here in the past with dogs that have uh, redesigned the interior of people's houses by <laughs> basically taking doors off hinges, um, eating cupboards, eating furniture, um, and as Gemma says, uh, accompanied with a lot of either howling or barking. So um, it can become a, a real issue for some people. Yeah. And it is something that's incredibly serious. You know, it's a reason for relinquishment, that often into rescue centres. And a big worry factor, if you've got a dog that is exhibiting separation anxiety and you're getting into issues with your neighbours, perhaps your landlord, actually that's a huge stressor for you and something that we need to be able to try and solve. So Gemma, is there hope for anyone who's experiencing these issues with their pet? Oh yeah, there definitely is. I mean, it's it's a big scale problem for the amount of people and dogs that experience it, but also it's not a quick fix. It does take quite a while, but it's just a process for everybody for a learning curve for the dog and for the people as to what type of separation it is that's causing them to have an issue and how they can fix it in their lifestyle. So not all of these cases are as extreme as those we've just described. What might be a sign to an owner that their dog is ex experiencing anxiety when they leave? Just any kind of body language from your dog that they're just a bit unsure and unhappy about the situation so you know not having a relaxed body language anymore, so if they're a bit tense or a bit coward in the way that they move, they're not quite moving as fluidly as they would before, or if they're just starting to look around and be a bit pacey about things, or if they're panting a lot, or if they're not really got a lot of focus on anything in general, they're just scanning the environment for anything. So as with most elements of dog training and behaviour, preparation is key. We want to train for the situation, not in the situation. So Kaz, if you get a puppy or a young dog or a new dog, how can you lower that risk? What can, what can you do to prepare your dog for that experience? I think the, the most important thing for people is to understand that, especially with puppies, um, because we do want to be with them 24-7 because they're very cute. <laughs> oh, they're very cute. They're gorgeous. <laughs> but um, it's just really important to, to build in from the very start periods of time away from your dog to allow it to not be with you 24-7 so it will have its own space um, even if that's just going in another room or through a child gate, um, just giving it that little bit of time where it's not hanging on your coattails and following you around everywhere. And you can build that up very slowly. So you can start it off just for a few minutes and then over each day build up that time period, uh, start to build in going in and out, making everything really a non-event 
so that um, there's nothing really for your pup to hang its hat on in terms of predicting what you're going to do. Excellent. And as the team here know, I'm a great lover of gates. <clears throat> it's not an issue here that your dog isn't going to be with you all the time. The dogs do need rest. They need to be kept calm. I've got two girls and they're young and they're very boisterous. And if they don't sleep, they actually become an issue. They, they start to play off each other. It starts to become a bit of a nightmare for both of them. Neither of them enjoy it. So it's really important, this gated community, the concept of using different gates to allow the dog to be away from you. They can see you, they can interact with you, or they can go and sleep. And you can control that interaction with you allowing them time to rest and be calm because calmness protocol is really really important isn't it Gemma? Yeah massively if your dog dogs don't need assistance to be excited and have fun and enjoy things typically it's being calm is something that they don't know they just either default into calm because they're exhausted or they're on the go so teaching your dog to be calm and enabling the calmness just helps them that they're already calm so when you leave it's not they're not already stressed before you go so that anxiety is not already at a start level and then it's just risen throughout the day. So um, I think sort of tied in with what Gemma was just saying then um, relates to uh, a subject that we've talked about previously yeah. in, a, in a former podcast that due to lockdown with people being home all the time and therefore spending all this time with their dogs the dogs aren't getting that important period of rest during the day and so we are likely to see a lot more inappropriate behaviours or unwanted behaviours of which separation of anxiety is one uh, but it can very easily be become mixed with other behaviours as well that we don't want to see so people shouldn't be worried about giving the dogs a, that time out and that time away from themselves. Exactly and they could be doing something during that period I mean things like using a licky mat or using any sort of interaction they can be any puzzle toy or anything like that yeah snuffles cardboard chaos yeah, great ways of getting your dog, keeping your dog entertained whilst they're by themselves. And it's important to develop that independence as well as that self-reliance to prevent these separation anxiety issues that we see. <coughs> so prediction is a key factor in some of the separation issues we see, uh, where dogs are really linking some of those early signs that you're going to go out with your going out. And therefore that anticipation and that frustration can build. Do you, you see that quite a lot in some of the classes you run or some of the one-to-ones you have to do, Gem? Yeah, quite often there was a woman and she said, oh, a dog knows exactly when she's going to leave because they, I mean, we're creatures of habit. We do the exact same <laughs> morning routine and they know oh, it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> they know when I come home in my black uniform, they're like, oh, she's got trees in her pockets. <laughs> like they know everything. So of course they know when you're going. They know your morning routine before you even know it. And they pick up on everything. So they know before you've even gone out, they've already built up the anxiety that you're going because they know, you know, whether you put your shoes on first or last, they know when your shoes go on, you're going to go out. So what can we do to try and reduce the risk of that prediction? Just go a bit crazy, really. Change your routine. <laughs> Absolutely. So put your shoes on and then go and sit down in the armchair. Yeah. Or... Have your coffee before your breakfast or swap them around. God, that'd be trash. Yeah, coffee, coffee before and after, please, Gemma, please. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. So it's, it's mixing up those routines. So if you have, maybe if you get your lead out, if it's predicted for a walk or anything, you can actually take the lead out and sit down again. Put your coat on, sit down again. Move your keys yep. to a different place. So just thinking about those cues that you subtly give out. And it could... Although sometimes people's work-life balances don't allow this, if you can actually change times of departure as well, because dogs are really great at picking up, oh, it's about 10 past eight, although, uh, and actually she's going to leave now. So if, we could, if you can mix up that routine, it can really help with some of the separation issues we see. I think a surprising one often is that when people have dogs with separation issues, they're like, oh, I, li I leave the radio on for them. 
But if you don't have the radio on when you're at home, and <laughs> that's you put it on before you go, it then just becomes another signal for them that you're gonna go. It's no longer a reassuring thing. Yeah, it's something that's quite so stressful for them. Yeah, it's just a trigger that people think that they don't even realise it's become a trigger for that dog separation issues. However, if you do leave it on a time, it can actually be a really good tool, can't it? Yeah, the soothing tones of it can definitely be helpful. And, you know, there's loads of studies for audiobook helping dogs relax and classical music helping them. Yeah. So it can be a relaxing thing for them. It's just the way that you put it in can sometimes counteract it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so it's thinking about what a routine looks like. So, Kaz, obviously you manage our intake. Do you see this as a problem? Do people come with separation issues? I would say it's... Um, a major problem um, I think Gemma might, might be able to back me up but I think uh, the majority of the dogs that come in have some form of, of separation anxiety when they come in and, and one of the main reasons for people surrendering the dogs is because they're now working longer hours mm. and they feel that it's unfair on the dog and the dog is not coping with them being away from the home for so long so yeah it, it can be a, a major factor in people having to surrender their dogs mm. and it's in most cases, do you feel it's solvable, Jim? Yeah, definitely. We've had some dogs make remarkable <coughs> turnarounds when they've gone out into new homes. We've just coached people through it and they've made a massive impact on it. And some of them have been a lot slower than others. Some of them have picked it up in a matter of days, but some have taken, you know, one couple took a dog knowing fully that it had a separation issue and it's taken a year and now they can leave him for about two hours. But that was from nothing where he was being severely destructive to now two hours. So it is resolvable, it's just dependent on your dog and your situation and your time scale. Yeah. And there isn't really a particular breed or age, although you, you get anecdotal evidence that of, of a particular breed. Yeah. Anecdotally, there, I think staffies are, are always up there, aren't they? On the, on the and, and your sighthounds as well, yeah. your sighthound elements. But actually any dog can suffer with separation issues and you may not know it. And sometimes separation can actually be quite extreme, can't it, Gem? Yeah, some dogs find it so stressful will pretty much do behaviours that essentially become self-harming, whether it's chewing the door or scratching at the door till their nails or beds are bleeding, or some, some of them literally just turn and they'll lick themselves a lot and mm. they'll get skin conditions from it, or they'll nibble at their skin and their tail especially, we tend to see the odd bald tail here and there. <laughs> I think having worked in rescue, all three of us, for a, a long time collectively, we do see a lot of that self-mutilation through stress, um, so through licking, leg licking or over-grooming. extremity, over-grooming. And actually, it's something that can be solved with support from your vet as well, but to make sure that with some simple behaviour changes, you can make those big, big differences quite quickly. So I think the, the veterinary support, um, it may be in extreme cases that while you're putting in, into place your new... Um, your new routines that are no longer a routine because you're going to mix them up and your new processes in the home you may need some veterinary help in terms of like mild tranquilizers if it's a really extreme case mm -hmm. so yeah things like nutraceuticals which are supplements that uh, can be given without uh, a veterinary prescription um, and sometimes just help to take the edge off more extreme behaviors so Jem Kaz if you think your dog may be showing signs of separation anxiety who do you contact? How do you get that help and support you need? It's worth just looking at your local trainers, who's around you and can help with this issue, and then your vets as well, in case you do end up needing some kind of a supplement or nutraceutical or any kind of medication. But just starting with your trainers to kind of get a basis of what they can offer with your help it for separation. 
and how they can help you out with it. And of course, everyone's always welcome to contact the team at Oak Tree. Um, we've got the classes and the one-to-one -one sessions that we do. And it's just important that we address these issues because if you don't, then you're going to have a bigger issue. So as you've already said, Kaz, we often get dogs relinquished for separation anxiety. Gem, you work with the dogs in our kennels. So can you think of a particular dog which came in and needed that support? Uh, yeah, we had one at the start of the year, actually. We had um, Alfie, who was a beautiful white lurcher. Um, he was gorgeous. Yeah. He was gorgeous. <laughs> Attracted many people. But um, he just it wasn't even that he came in with it as an issue. It was part of his collective behavioural problems. But he just... He just really struggled and in kennels he was incessantly clingy to any time you went in. He was right there, right up in your face, constantly wanted contact, couldn't manage to calm down at all. Mm, and during sweet. the day in the kennels, that hour rest period in the middle of the day was so important, when we, especially when we had him, because any time anybody walked around the kennels at all to get another dog out or just to go do laundry or they walked around the back of the cattery, he was up there standing on his back legs like, who is it, who is it, who is it? He just If there was a potential for a person to be there, he was aware of it and was reacting to it. He didn't howl too much. Oh, bless him. <laughs> but yeah, he was incessant on being around people and it was an extreme neediness and it was no distance was acceptable. So how did you support Alfie? While he was here, obviously it's quite tricky because they have to be left alone for quite a significant time of, course, of the day because yeah. it's a kennel environment. But we gave him a really big crate so that that would give him a safe space so that when he went to his new home, he would try and take a crate with him and have his safe space with him Gorgeous, yeah. so that he was already prepared to have that spot ready to be calming and that was what it was, it was his calming place already set up and then the girls also when he was rehomed we kept in consistent contact with the owners giving them the advice that they need to help them talking them through the baby steps to take of leaving him by himself and we, while he was in we gave him loads of different types of enrichment to see what he preferred, what he could manage. So we already had a set level of activities for him to do independently before he'd even gone. And it was a nice little balance that when he went out, he had things he was familiar with, even though his environment had changed massively. And that environment changes a huge thing. It doesn't matter. I mean, we talked about predictors earlier, but in that case, the routine was needed. It wasn't that familiarity was needed yeah. to be able to support that case. And how's he doing now? Yeah, he's doing really well now. I think they left him for about three and a half hours the other day. Fantastic. And he's doing really well, wasn't a problem. He definitely, he was a little bit howly to start with. And they were sitting outside the front door going, oh my gosh, please stop. <laughs> but he's come around really, really quickly. It's only taken a few months and now they can leave him for about three hours and he's really, really good. It's important to say not every dog has separation issues. Some dogs are absolutely fine if you go out there. Some dogs go, yes, they've gone, um, and I can have the sofa, and I can just chill out all day. They're quite pleased when you come back, but actually they really don't mind. So not every dog will have these issues. Um, so it's about knowing your own dog and sort of spotting those signs. I think it goes right back to what we were talking about right at the beginning um, with a puppy or a new dog. It's setting them up for that success right from the, the first day that you bring them home. Exactly. So, obviously, at Oak Tree, we rehome animals, and we do have a lot of questions about, can I rehome an animal if I work? And particularly a dog, can I, can I do that? Now, at Oak Tree, we obviously take every animal on a case-by-case -case basis, but Kaz, looking at the rehoming side, what is a policy? Uh, oh, absolutely. If uh, people are working, they can still rehome a dog. I mean, it's a fact of life. We have to go to work because we have to be able to pay for the dogs. Yeah, they like their food, food, don't they? they? <laughs> yes, excellent. Um, but as you rightly say, it's on a case-by-case -case basis. Obviously, if we had a, a dog that was already showing signs of suffering very severe um, separation anxiety, 
we will probably look for a home where people are going to be home most of the time yeah uh, uh, with only minimal time for it to be left on its own at the start yeah but um i think as Gemma said before you know or you said not all dogs uh, exhibit this so there's no reason why uh, a dog can't go to a home where people work it's again it's about just setting them up for success from the start and providing that right environment so the dog can settle when people aren't there. It is, and it's important to recognise that all three of us around the stable have dogs work. <laughs> and work. Um, and we are fortunate that our dogs can come to work with us. And sometimes it's about talking to your employer um, about is that a possibility? And if not, there are some steps you can put in place, aren't there, Jen? What could you do? Yeah, I mean, there's, it's always worthwhile asking friends and family to help out and getting dog walkers and things like that in. And just making sure that when you aren't at work, taking advantage of the time that you have together. So getting them not only out for, you know, going out for a little half an hour around the block use their brains give them some mental stimulation go to meet up with a friend and go for a bigger walk around a bigger area mix things up a little bit so it's not the same routine for them every single day because as boring as that is for us is as boring as it is for them mixing it up just <laughs> helps keep them that little bit mentally stimulated so that when you are gone it's not they don't need to occupy themselves because they're pretty sad and hide and seek is always a great game and you can hide things all around your house. I've been known to hide things. It's far too much fun. And Kaz, obviously you work, you obviously have more than one dog and you can't bring more than one dog to work um, with the role you do. So how do you manage that? So obviously four of my dogs are always very jealous of the one dog that does come to work. <laughs> but um, actually the reason why I, I bring in the particular dog that I do is um, it gives her a break from the other yeah. dogs which are younger and a bit more lively. So they can be left with activities in the house that aren't going to affect her ability to rest during the day. She's an older dog, she needs more rest. Uh, so as you say, hide-and-seek games are good, leaving treats around the house for them to find, um, making sure that they get some form of enrichment before I come to work mm. so that they settle better when I come. And, uh, and then, yeah, it's really nice to be reunited and then we can do more exciting things when I get home. And it's quite interesting. There are, there's a wonderful technology that you can use to monitor your dogs when you're <laughs> working. From the, and you can use some of these internal cameras that will allow you to see the dogs working. And they actually, it's amazing how much they sleep. One of our team here uh, just installed some recently and she was quite shocked to realise that actually her beloved boxer spent most of the day on the sofa. Uh, I'm just being told, sorry, that he didn't do that today. <laughs> but yeah, but when, when she installed the software, we were quite surprised how, how much time he spent sleeping. And rest is really important for dogs. They spend a significant percentage of their life sleeping. And it's amazing how many tools you can employ to make sure your dogs are okay. I would just say, though, obviously, if you are at work, um, be careful that the manager doesn't spot you monitoring your dogs all day. That's very <laughs> true. <laughs> I would say, use the technology responsibly, <laughs> is our guidance on that one. Um, but there are there are lots of options. Um, so, sort of in conclusion, let's just start to sort of pull this together. If you're getting a new dog, or if you're in a situation where you haven't had to go back to work yet, or you're just contemplating a new sort of stage of your life how can you set your dog up for success so you need to start building in um, time apart so I think that's the key thing is even if you're in the house 24 7 if you're uh, self-isolating or have, having to quarantine and you think well I have to be home so what can I do you can go in different rooms you can go upstairs leave the dogs downstairs you can go in the garden for a bit and leave the dog inside or vice versa um, and just even coming in and out of your front door every now and again um, 
little things like that just to build up an idea that you can come and go freely to areas where the dog can't access you all the time is a really easy way just to start and then of course you can start to build up the time that you're spending away from the dog um, so yeah and leaving the dog things to do as we've spoken about before like leaving it a licking mat a snuffle mat um, a little hide and seek game uh, anything like that and if need be you can as we say contact us for ideas we're always happy to give out ideas um, but yeah just baby steps start slowly and just build it up my dogs love a licking mat before i go out for some reason i could put that on the floor they're completely involved in that and they don't notice like oh mum yeah fine you're off yeah whatever I'm busy over here I'm not interested and it's a and calming activity for it them really does. so it takes the edge off while you're putting your coat on and your shoes on and picking up your keys all the things that would normally get them excited they, they're being completely distracted by something that's the opposite to what they would normally do yeah. and actually although although it sort of personally hurts <laughs> me leaving is a great time it's like yeah something fun happens now yeah. and i think that's quite an important yeah. game to have played and quite an important thing to have trained gem however at the other end of the spectrum if you are now facing an issue and you have started to realize that there is some destruction going on there's some there's some noise going on all your dogs are just starting to pace and look really anxious when you go what can you do what are your steps well there's so many trainers around and it's beneficial just to start looking around for a decent trainer and figuring out who's going to work for you so you've got some you've got a point of contact a person that you can talk to about the fact that you're having these issues but it's worth even just to start with if you suspect it chat to your neighbors see if they've heard any howling if they've heard a pacing or anything like that because they might have clues or insights that you don't have when you're at work but there's loads of great resources out there and plenty of places you can go to get them our website's full of different options and it's not just our website as well, there's loads of places producing fantastic materials. It's just checking your resources are coming from a valuable source. And I think that's really important, getting the credibility. We talked about finding a trainer, we talked about getting resources. How do you recognise that is a good resource? Because the internet is full of every sort of, I mean, every sort of resource you could have. And so some are credible, some aren't. How do you vet it? It's looking for the people who are the top of their field, you know, if you're looking like we're obviously an accredited organisation, we have so many affiliations, we're following the guidelines and we have to be, to be members of the organisations we're part of and that's what's key. It really is, it's looking at who's accredited, what's the training behind it and what's the evidence. Um, I think that's the important thing is what evidence scientific research has been done. We work solely through evidence-based knowledge here at the charity, looking at studies, looking, trying to keep up to with latest research and it's finding that credible source um, to get your information from. A huge thank you to Caroline and Gemma for joining me today and to all our supporters and funders who help us to help the animals who need us. If you have any questions you would like answered or areas you'd like us to cover in a future podcast, please do email them to us at info at Thanks so much for listening to PetPod. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.